Welcome to Outdoors. I'm Brian, and today we have EJ Porth, the Associate Director from the Gallatin Valley Land Trust, or GVLT. Welcome to the podcast, EJ. Yeah, thanks for having me. EJ, what is a land trust? That is a great question. So most people don't know that there is a land trust in just about every community in this country. And um, land trusts all use a very similar tool. We all sort of have this common thread that weaves us all together but we're all protecting very different conservation values. We're protecting different landscapes for different reasons. So land trusts all have this thing in common um, that's called a conservation easement, which is the tool with which how we, uh, how we get our work done. And we do our work on private land. So there's lots of conservation groups all over the country that do really, really important work to protect access to public lands, wildlife. Um, our goal is to focus on the private lands that stitch together that landscape. Because we know that animals and water and, and soils um, and our beautiful scenery incorporates both public and private lands. So the tool of a conservation easement is basically um, it's a voluntary agreement with a landowner that perpetually limits the development of the property into the future. So it's a legal document. Um, it is perpetual, which means forever. And when that landowner works with a land trust, they are sacrificing a portion of their private property rights. So we like to think of property rights as sort of like a bundle of sticks. You have lots of different rights as a property owner. One of your rights is your ability to subdivide your parcel, to put structures on your um, on your property, maybe to have large commercial businesses. And so we take that property rights and we work with the landowner to, to figure out what they're willing to give up in order to protect the conservation values that exist on that land. And it's a little bit different for everybody, but for most landowners, they'll say, you know, I don't want my property to be split up into smaller than, I have two kids. I'd like my thousand acre property to only be able to be two 500 acre pieces in the future. We draft up this document and then that property right is transferred to the land trust. They retain ownership to the property. They can still manage it and do um, whatever they'd like with it. But we kind of own and, um, monitor that property right or that kind of restriction in perpetuity forever visit the properties make sure they're not being developed um, in ways that are inconsistent with the intent of the landowner and there's some financial benefits and tax benefits but the community benefits from keeping these large pieces of land intact unfragmented um, make sure that those wildlife have places to go we protect their calving grounds and fish spawning streams and all sorts of things and it makes this place really beautiful. Yeah, I didn't realize it was, in, yeah, it, it was forever, basically, once these agreements are signed. Yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. You know, you kind of have to look in a crystal ball and predict the future, which is hard. But for the landowners that we work with, it gives them a lot of peace of mind to know that the land that they love so much will remain that way forever, um, regardless of whether they need to sell it or their kids need to sell it to somebody else. It's that certainty. Um, that they appreciate and the community appreciates knowing what it's going to look like. But the interesting thing about land trusts is that most land trusts only focus on using that tool of conservation easements and protecting mm -hmm. private land. What's unique and different about the Gallatin Valley Land Trust is that we've always had a trails component of our mission. So from 30 years ago, our founder, Chris Boyd, was like, wow, this is really important. We need to protect these conservation values. And it's also really important that people get to experience the land, they get to be outside, they get to recreate, um, connect them to the land and they will build this appreciation for it in the future. 
Um, and so for 30 years, we've been building the Main Street to the Mountains trail system, which is now, you know, the, the numbers vary, but I think last time I checked, it was like 90 miles of trails wow. um, in a connected system in and around Bozeman to move people, not only through their neighborhoods and through town, but from the core of town up to the foothills north and south in the mountains. So speaking of the easements, um, an application of that on the, the recent uh, Painted Hills Connector Trail. So mm -hmm. can you give an example kind of how that works? I know that was quite a, a process to get that all taken care of. So how does that work working with the, with the private landowners to make those connections and, and connect those dots? Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. And it's, that was a good example because that trail connection, that gap existed for a very long time. And part of the complexity of, of finishing that connection was that the trail would have to cross, I think, six different pieces of private ground. Hmm. And um, there was lots of different ownership situations on all of those different properties. So for example, one of the properties that needed to cross was actually a state of Montana property, a school trust land held by the DNRC. So we had to purchase a trail easement which uh, this is a good distinction. A conservation easement typically covers an entire property and we're working on development rights. A trail easement is, is a real estate tool to achieve access, but it's typically just a corridor. So it's just enough, it's a, it's a perpetual access easement for a certain width um, to get the trail through the property. So we hold those on a number of different um, trails around town. That's the tool that we typically use on that. So we negotiated with the state. We got a trail easement on that parcel. Um, we bought trail easements on a couple other private parcels. And then there's actually a conservation easement along the way where the whole property is encumbered with the conservation easement. And we um, made sure to include public access on this trail as part of that original agreement. And back in the day, you know, we had grandiose thoughts that the trail would be connected a long time ago, but when we initially conserved that land, we knew that that was a trail we were gonna want. Most conservation easements don't allow for public access, but this was one that we built in from the beginning because we knew it was gonna be important. Um, so yeah, it was a series of different landowners, um, us purchasing trail easements, trail easements being donated. And then those trail easements, most of them, we actually transferred to the Gallatin, to Gallatin County to hold those. Um, and we may manage and maintain that trail, but they are the actual owners of those trail easements. It's all publicly recorded and um, a little wonky as a real estate tool, but I don't think a lot of people understand that that complexity that goes into building trails. It's it's real estate deals. Um, and, and whether you're conserving a large ranch or you're um, building a trail across private property, the land trust's expertise in that is that we know real estate and we can do these sort of complex, nuanced real estate transactions um, with certain property rights like access and development rights. So what's involved in, in maintaining those long-term, like from the trail maintenance to the, the legal <laughs> maintenance? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Uh, you know, the, the legal ramifications we have yet to see that be a, a very burdensome part of doing trail work. I think for us, it's just making sure that those trails are built in a sustainable way from the get-go so that they aren't actually super expensive or time consuming to maintain in the future. We put a lot of thought and care into how that Painted Hills Trail was built. And we did have some challenges because of the width of the corridors and the topography there. Um, but we're really proud of what we have there. And we're hoping that um, we've, you know, created enough 
uh, drainage areas that we're not going to have regular pooling of water. And we've been um, thinking about erosion and all those things that are going to make the trail last a lot, a lot longer and make the trail experience better for the user. Um, periodically, we'll bring volunteers out there. So right as the trail developed, there's quite a bit of volunteer work to happen. We used a lot of volunteers to naturalize the trail. Um, while machinery goes in to do the first cut, we use a lot of volunteers to make sure that it doesn't look like such a harsh, um, you know, like the trail was just cut into the, to the land. So we kind of soften the edges and make it look as natural as possible. And then it kind of grows in over future years. So we had a lot of volunteers out there at that trail in particular over the last few years. And um, now it's, it's not needing as much work, but certainly there are trails. Um, Triple Tree would be a great example that was built many, many, many years ago and requires now some pretty regular maintenance. And we had to go in actually after the fact and reroute portions of that trail to try to make it more sustainable for the long run. Um, some people might remember Triple Tree, the top used to be uh, just like a, a pretty steep little climb. And we were able to go in and build the switchbacks, which is a way to make it not only more sustainable, but more accessible by more people. Those are some examples. So of the 90 so miles um, the GVLT has in the trail system, are, are those all under the Main Street to Mountains or is the Main Street to Mountains more of the, the trails like going out, out to the M Trail, um, those sorts of pieces? You know, they're all part of the same system. And so I think people have different, different parts of the system that they use. You know, I have friends that hike the M and drinking horse every single day. And then there's people that use the trails in town to connect to the subdivision and the playground next door um, or to get their kids to school or to get to work. So we see a lot of different uses and we consider all the trails within the area, both within the city um, and the ones that pull you up to the mountains as part of that connected network. And, and the vision, what's cool about this system, which I also think people don't always know is in most communities, there are, there are maybe a lot of trails, but they're, they're disjointed sections. Mm -hmm. And here, What's we were so intentional about making sure that, yeah, we're putting a trail up in the mountains, um, like Drinking Horse, for example, but now we've also built the trail so that you could go right from Bozeman Public Library in downtown Bozeman all the way up to the top of Drinking Horse on a trail. Mm -hmm. um, so it's that accessibility piece, that connectivity piece. That means you don't have to hop in a car and go drive to the trailhead, which is gonna be important as our community grows to make sure that we don't have these overflowing parking areas and as much as possible, let's let people walk out their back door and get to the mountains. That's super special and unique. Yeah, I think that's something I'm really trying to advocate for in, the, in this handbook is um, the experience I had riding um, my mountain bike this last summer. My favorite rides are going from my house, you know? And when I moved back here five years ago, I didn't realize that I'm right on this, the edge of the, all these South Bozeman trail systems um, that, that now connect to all these places. So I've been able to do, you know, you can do longer routes out uh, Bear Canyon and, and back and then Triple Tree, the connector trail, uh, and then also out the lower Foothills Trail to Sipes Canyon and back. Um, and I thought that that sort of access is really amazing, especially as these trailheads are getting really crowded. So you get an early start and you go on a long ride, you got a good warm up and you get a, a much different experience than a, you know, congested uh, parking lot. Yeah. Um, I guess one thing I noticed on those longer rides is it, it seems like 
going farther to the West, there's a lot more of a disconnect with, mm-hmm. you know, like, especially coming back off of Sipes, it was a little bit nerve wracking because there's sections of highway I had to ride along and like, but then you get back into to the Cherry Creek trails and like, ah, it's such a yeah. different experience being on, you know, highway road to, you know, one of the gravel GBLT trails. So right. are there certain areas you're looking to in the future to kind of bridge the gap to all the new development in the West? Yeah, that, that's, that's right on. That's exactly what we're thinking too. You know, the system has been challenging because there is sort of a patchwork of land ownership, land management in this valley and jurisdictions too. So things within the city of Bozeman um, are, are pretty heavily regulated. So when developments go in, they are required to follow the trail plan and put the trail in the right place to connect to the next one. When you get outside of the city, there hasn't been that kind of accountability or, or even encouragement for connectivity to happen. And so what we're seeing is some some big gaps that we're having to close after the fact. It is much more expensive and challenging to finish trail segments after development goes in. Um, The most cost-effective way for everyone to do it is to put it in as development happens. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately we've missed some opportunities now and there are those big gaps that we're aware of. Um, Right now we're working on two projects to answer your question. On the west side of Bozeman, um, there are a number of developments that put in trails. It was like kind of like post-recession and, um, you know, there was a lot of developments that had started and then stopped. And it was a challenging time for Bozeman. And then it sort of boomed. and It was hard to keep up. So there, there is actually a lot of disconnected trails on the west side of Bozeman within the city. And we are working on a project now. We, we essentially did an audit where we went out there. We were like, where are the, where do we need to have safe crossings uh, across busy streets? Where do we need to have additional wayfinding signage? Because maybe you need to go on the sidewalk for a block in order to hook up to the next trail and you just don't know that it's there. Or um, maybe there are actually small sections of trail that were never fully built out or maybe they were, but then they got unused and then they grew over and nobody knows where they are. So we are stitching together all those little bits in a project we're calling the East-West Connector, or I guess you could call it the West-East Connector. The goal being that you could get from the farthest farthest west part of town, um, Gallatin Valley, or the Gallatin High School, all the way in going east to the core of the Main Street to Mountain System, Bowdoin Public Library, Pasadena, Painted Hills, all that stuff. Um, And the trails are there, interestingly enough, the bulk of them. There's just some some things that need to be fixed to make sure that the user can easily navigate and get from from A to B. Um, So that's one project. We have um, significant funding for that and are actually going to be starting some of that work this summer. The uh, other project we're working on is in partnership with Gallatin County. So when you cross that city of Bozeman boundary going west, so you're going towards Four Corners and Belgrade in the area that we call the Triangle, that is where a lot of development is going to be happening because of available infrastructure. The city is slowly sort of annexing to the West and incorporating developments. Um, And so we know that build the trails before the development happens and have a unified vision so that developers know where to put their trails to connect with something in the future. I think what happens when um, you have sort sort of the frontier out there you build a development and at the moment you're surrounded by farm fields. And so you build a trail just in the circle of your subdivision because it's like, why would I build a trail to know where this isn't gonna connect? Mm-hmm. 
if you know that you're part of a system that's going to happen over time, you can design your development so that there are these little spurs that even if the trail isn't built, the access is there, the space is there to connect into the future. Um, and then the county, you know, I think is, is understanding that this is the kind of community that people want. Yeah. And while it's not in the city, um, they do have a role to play in, in creating that vision and, and, and encouraging and developers and holding them accountable a little bit. So we are in a joint project with them um, to create the Triangle Area Trail Plan Mm-hmm. so that um, everybody knows what trail connectivity will look like in the area. We can make sure we're getting people to where they want to go, like schools and the YMCA and the breweries and the coffee shops that are starting to pop up over there. Um, maybe so people can commute from as far as four corners into Bozeman to go to work without having to get in a car. So all of those consider, and, and recreation too, you know, we're looking at some old rail lines that have great, the gradings are already there and we can, you know, encourage developers to build their portion of a trail that will create some really fun loops in that area. Um, so it's an exciting time. It's something that's very forward thinking because we might not see that system come together until 30 years from now. Hmm. But somebody did that for the Main Street to the Mountain system 30 years ago. And I think it's important for us to, when it comes to growth, plan ahead. Think about what what is the community we want in 30 years? And a lot of that work about the vision has to happen now. And then, you know, we can be confident that we're not missing opportunities along the way. Yeah, that, that, that's amazing. It'd be, it's such a different environment to be in if you can just get on your bike and ride down to a coffee shop and not get in the car, you know, um, especially in, in more of these subdivisions and things that are popping up. Are, are there requirements um, well, I guess for two things, one for trails that are existing in open fields now that are going to become developments where they stay trails, do they need to get rerouted or how does that work? And then the ones that are, um, there aren't any trails, like how, how do you actually make sure that they're, they're involved in the planning when those go in, in into place? Yeah, I think that's something we're still trying to figure out. Uh, trails that are currently go through farm fields, it really depends on the property. So an example, a good example of that, um, the Highland Glen Nature Preserve has an awesome system of trails that we built in partnership with Bozeman Health, who owns that entire property. It's still um, actively grazed with cattle, and um, there was at at one point a plan to develop portions of that land. Mm -hmm. So when we built the trails with Bozeman Health, we, we built them in such a way that if development happened in the future, they wouldn't need to be significantly moved or changed. Um, obviously the experience would change a little bit, but we kind of thought ahead about that. Um, there might be other trails uh, in farm fields that are rogue trails and maybe aren't actually legal. Um, that's gonna be a little bit harder for us to, to protect moving forward. But um, the second part of your question was, forgetting now. Um, places that, um... Like how, how do you kind of advocate for these spur trails to connect to something that doesn't right. exist yet? So that's going to be a question for Galton County to noodle. Um, the city of Bozeman requires a development to comply with the trails plan in the city and build the trails that are on the plan. Um, the county, I think we will certainly hope that they'll move in that direction where they make some kind of requirement. But I think more than anything, what we're learning is that developers know the value of trails they know what it does to property values they know that people want them and so i i believe they're doing a lot of trails already i believe just with a plan they might just 
orient them more appropriately for future connectivity, maybe without even a requirement. But this plan will be adopted by Gallatin County. It's something that all the developers that are building in that area are going to have access to. And we're hoping that we can um, encourage it and hopefully have a little bit of accountability built in as well in the future. Great. So what sort of programs is GVLT doing this summer? Um, and is the Trails Challenge happening this year? Yeah. So the Trails Challenge is a very COVID-friendly event, thankfully. Uh, we were even able to do it last summer. The concept is really simple. We go to the business community and we say, hey, do you want to throw some money into this match pool and get your community outside? This is a challenge. So businesses sponsor the match pool and that match pool amount is the total that the community needs to earn for GBLT by using trails. Mm -hmm. So every single mile that somebody spends on a trail between June 5th and I believe June 22nd, I can't remember the exact end date, Friday, a couple, three weeks after that, um, every mile is a dollar to GBLT from that match pool. And um, people can log miles on our website really easily. It's super simple. It can be walking, biking, trail running, um, crawling, walking with your kids. But um, it's a way for everybody to be involved in making this trail system great. You don't have to have a lot of money. For this, you just need to get outside and um, be part of a community challenge and sort of together. Um, in the past, we've raised $65,000 in three weeks um, with people getting on the trails, which I think just shows you how much people value that access here. And, and then people logging miles can also log miles on teams of businesses that they support. And it's just a fun, um, it's not competitive in a way, it's like competitive for community. So people really have a good time with it. Um, and June 5th, when that kicks off, is also National Trails Day, which is our other big summer event for trails. It's our largest volunteer project of the year. We get sometimes a couple hundred people to do some trail work. And um, this year, it's going to be a little bit different because we don't want to gather that many people in one spot. So we have a series of smaller projects to celebrate the 20th anniversary of Tuckerman Park, which is over on the South Side Trails. And we'll be doing a variety of different projects to improve the trails there. Uh, everything from, um, you know, lopping some of the brush that is encroaching into the sourdough trail, um, spreading gravel, pulling weeds, um, installing signage, things like that. So it's a fun day, um, family friendly. There's a task for everybody and it, it's a great way to build community. Very cool. Where can people go to learn more about GVLT and the programs coming up? Yeah, we have everything online, gvlt.org. Lots of events on there. We have a digital trail map that you're, you can poke around and then see what's nearby. We do that with the city of Bozeman. We have um, a list of featured trails with a little bit more information about the history of each of them, how they came to be, what to expect when you go there. Um, plenty of other information about conservation easements and that side of our work as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful that you had me on and I always love telling people about how special this place is and how it's worth, worth fighting for. It's worth protecting this place and, and making sure that we have something we can be really proud of in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well thanks so much for being on the podcast and I look forward to participating in the, the June activities. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for listening. Tune back into Outdoors to hear more from the groups that make mountain biking in the Bozeman area thrive. Go to thelastbestbike.com for more information on the book coming out this summer and where to pre-order. Until next time, happy trails!